Welcome. Hello. <laughs> That's Emily. That's Stevie. This is The Sex Files. Welcome. It's really late at night. I'm smoking. Emily's drinking. This is going to be a fun episode. It was just necessary for this episode. Here we go. We're not even going to talk. We're going to get right into it because we have so much to discuss. Yes. All right. So um, Emily and I are uh, taking questions now. We just we were posting about <laughs> that last week about how just in case any of you guys for like Sex Corner, if you any of you guys have questions, concerns, just like hoorays good things that have happened victories big and small like in your sex life or otherwise we really don't care tell us about like a day you had with your dog we don't care um i would love that send them to us and we'll discuss them in sex corner specifically if you have any sex related questions or like topics that you'd like us to broach um or just like general like anything you wish like you were taught in health and wellness or sex sex ed yes specifically so we have a curious cat if you want to be anonymous that's on twitter um we'll link it in our thread and then also you can just send us a dm if you don't mind not being anonymous um and we'll put ask me boxes on instagram on our story periodically and we'll collect your thoughts. Yee. And so today we're going to be, we did this, we posted about this last week. Um, and we're going to answer, we got some questions actually, which was really exciting. And we're going to be talking about this specific question today. Somebody sent us virginity. Nobody talks enough about it and how it's okay not to lose it right away. Or it is cool with some hearts. Um, so we're going to discuss virginity today. Which we love. In this sex corner we do. Should we just get right into Let's it? Let's just get into it. There's so much. Literally, we've been... Yeah, there's a lot. I learned so much today reading about this. Right? Yeah. Well, it's it's just helpful, I think, because um, it's helpful to just organize your thoughts. Yeah. I'm on my second, <laughs> um, truly, <laughs> but hey, that's what notes are for, right? You know, you're in for a ride, listener. This is going to be so fun. Should we start with the origins of virginity? Take them back. Let's go medieval times. Did we? Yeah. Let's throw it back. Okay. All right. Let's throw it back. Fuck throw it. Throw it back. Let's go to 1582. What a high year that was. <laughs> oh, I wish I was born in the wrong generation. <laughs> I wish my I, wish I was born in 1582. <laughs> I'm just an old soul. Like, my soul just, like, belongs in 1580. Fuck me. <laughs> 1580, fuck me. I'm not chasing tandem. Fuck me. Okay. okay. Anyway. So, um, obviously, the, the roots of virginity go back, like, to fucking La La Land. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we, I think we wanted to talk about, just because it is such a big topic, like, something that feels, tan- like something that feels um, feasible, like, to wrap your head around. And, like, I think specifically the time period that we're talking about is, like, 1600s, 1700s. So, I guess close to that date. 1582, yeah. 1582, yeah. Virginity was a construct. It was specifically instilled and perpetuated in a very Puritan, religiously saturated society as a way to control women and file them into categories. Mm -hmm. That's it. Um, It represents whether or not a woman's hymen, which is the layer of tissue that in some capacity sits over the opening of the vagina, has been broken or not. Medically, this is not like medically, this has been proven to not be a signifier of penetration, penetration by anything. Mm-hmm. You can break your hymen riding a bike or using a tampon. Yeah, literally. Like, um, and also a person, a vagina having person can be born with it completely gone, partially, whatever. Yeah, it's not, it's so relative and subjective. It, the state of it means nothing. Mm-hmm. 
during that time period, a woman was supposed to be a virgin when she got married, of course. And if she wasn't, that meant she was a prostitute. And the way that this was maintained was that when a man and a woman got married, um, they would consummate the marriage. And then the couple would have to present the bloodied sheets from their bed to their parents as proof of the hymen breaking. Yeah, because obviously that was supposed to be penetration for the first time. We opened with virginity is a construct because virginity is a construct, period. Um, But beyond that, like the very tangible feeling is being ashamed Mm -hmm. for not having had that experience. So two things. One is reframing that. Like it's so exciting. It's so exciting. Mm -hmm. And any other experiences that um, we have that's supposed, it's supposed to be, that are supposed to be entirely pleasurable and consensual. Like there's no shame surrounding that. No. Like fucking going on a roller coaster for the first time or like your first day at a new job like none of that comes with shame shrouding it it's like yeah you're not like chastised if you wait too long you're not exactly start too early you just either just like first of things there's no judgment around it why is there such a heavy weight on this one this intangible thing that you're not even really like you're not losing anything and so the thing is, is like, if you've never had partnered sex, if you've never been in a relationship, if you've never had somebody's hand, blah, 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 and you feel ashamed, um, don't. There's nothing wrong with you. There is something wrong with how heteronormativity has convinced us that our value and worth um, is based on our romantic life. Mm-hmm. And that's literally it. And because of that, like never, and because this, we're talking about a specifically heteronormative patriarchal society Mm -hmm. never seek validation in others but in specifically men's opinions because no matter what you do as a girl or a woman like you are damned if you do damned if you don't Mm -hmm. and because we have no control over how we're perceived by other people like be as fucking loud as you want society will shame you for being a virgin will shame you for being a slut the only difference is where the approval is coming from Mm -hmm. so it's like when it's convenient and comfortable for men to view you as one or the other and as far as i'm concerned if you're setting boundaries if you're being your most authentic self never shrinking yourself if you're fucking being vain like i fucking hate that word but like let's reclaim it yeah and that makes others uncomfortable that shame is not yours to carry like, that's their problem. Mm. That is not your problem. It's just a projection. It has nothing to do with you at all. 100%. And it oftentimes, which is a different conversation, but it oftentimes reflects, it just reminds them how much they are lacking. Yeah. It's true. And then on top of not how it's perceived interpersonally, I was reading an article on everydayfeminism.com, and I'll link it. And um, they had a quote that said, virginity is a social construct that came about because of the commodification of women and it's like women were and are oftentimes still considered property and i mean like think about all of these proprietal proprietal (laughs) um think about all these proprietal traditions that still exist like when girls have their fathers walk them down the aisle that literally began to represent the transfer of property from her father to her husband like the father's literally giving his daughter away and like going from your father's last name to your husband like it's like 
that kind of bullshit. I don't ever want to get married, but if I did, I would never change my last name. Like, what kind of weird fucking ownership shit is that? And if I ever have a child, it's having my last name. Like, fuck that. Like, I will yeah, not. I won't be moved on that topic. But here's a ticket. If a woman wants to, it's like if a woman wants to and isn't pressured or feels forced at all to do these things, like have her father walk her down the aisle, take her husband's last name, and if she truly wants to, then that's fucking rad. Do it. I support her 100. percent But we have to have the ability to choose. And just going off of this thread, like the concept of virginity is so male centric. Mm-hmm. Again, it's just phallic obsessed. Yeah, and using the hymen as the determiner is something that makes that so unconsciously and even medically places this important around penises and men and like this narrative of virginity is completely perpetuated by the belief that sex equals and requires penetration and it eradicates all other forms of sexual contact which like Yes, it's ridiculous. like virginity completely erases queer and trans folk. Like sex is not phallic 100%. If you're considering something sex, it's sex. That's literally it. Exactly. That's exactly. Simple. And just to go back to what you said like earlier, the whole concept of like taking someone's virginity or losing your virginity, like why why is it like some virtue that's that's like stolen from you, that's Ex- like taken from no, you? No, exactly. Like a woman's sexual purity became important originally because her purity was seen as the most valuable and important commodifiable thing about her and so like women were expected to remain virgins virgins for their husbands to ensure the purity of his bloodline so it was like a medieval form of a paternity test it starts so it starts on that commodifiability and and this day and age like think about how ridiculous that is like why does this why do we still give this weight because if you were wording it like that nobody ever would but that's what it is Exactly. And why would you let this archaic standard shackling what you do with your body define you or, or not even define you, but even let, let it take up one second of your day? Yes. But, and also, like, I think the whole concept of it being a loss for girls and women is really interesting because you not only learn to, like, mourn a part of yourself, but you also give an incredible amount of power to the man who took it from you. Yes. We're talking about in a heteronormative situation. Mm-hmm. It's like they didn't take anything. No. Every single fucking sexual experience. And in fact, I would say platonic interaction also you have with someone is a fucking gift. Yes. Like you are gracing them with your energy and you do not lose anything mm-hmm. in the process. Exactly. Like it's like it's like a woman's worth is pinned on this it, something that's not even real. It's not tangible. You can't hold it in your hands. It's like so stupid. And I remember it's like, like there's so much pressure for it to be with somebody you care about and blah, 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 blah. Like, it's not only very heteronormative, but it's very rooted in the gender binary. Like, female virginity is valued as something that's viewed as sacred and should be protected while a man's isn't really worth anything. It's actually often better for a man's social status if he's not a virgin. Mm-hmm. And so, like, what, like literally none of it makes sense. Like, it doesn't need to be with anybody as long as you're consenting and happy. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you're doing exactly at all. And after the fact, like your morality, your worth, your humanity, like none of that changes because of your sexual experiences for the first time or the 5,000th time. Like it's an entry into a new stage of your life and it is for you. Yeah. It's it's just an added responsibility and something that you need to be educated and know about and make sure you're being, you're being safe. And I don't mean safe in the terms of like, you don't want to get pregnant. I mean, protection is important, but like, I mean, safe in terms of like emotionally safe and making sure that you 
are with somebody that respects you. Well, yeah, emotionally safe. And I think that that also translates to like physical safety. Exactly. I mean, like, yeah. And so like when we think about it, the concert of virginity was made, um, like was perpetuated during a time where like pure and decent women Mm -hmm. were being used as like vessels for baby making. And that was it. And that will fit very well into this episode. Um, Like pleasure, liberation, choice, Mm -hmm. like wasn't even in the conversation, let alone this like wild fantasy fairy tale that women um, could even experience pleasure from it. Like we're talking about a time when female anatomy, the female anatomy wasn't even in medical textbooks for doctors to study from when, um, when women would go to doc- to checkups, the doctor wasn't even allowed to examine them unless it was just under their dress so because men weren't allowed to see women naked aside from their wives. And it's also a time when people believe that women who were educated were barren because the blood that they were, that should have been going to their uterus to allow them to have children was now going to their head. It's fucking insane to me. Like this is the time period that we are talking about virginity becoming like this standard. It is so ridiculous. It's so archaic. Why are we still even talking about it? Like truly, why does this even need to be a discussion? It's so stupid. It's so dumb. And I, I think I talked about this in a previous episode, actually. I don't remember when it came up, but I was so obsessed in high school at <laughs> at um like the number like the age that I lost my penetrative virginity that I was absolutely having sex before that and not taking proper precautions and not being safe mm. and not even thinking anything about it because I was putting this weight on this like this one thing where you get fucking pen- like what is that totally. I was like waiting to a certain age to do that but it was like <laughs> ridiculous but every single, every single, like, well, I mean, I think every single interaction with someone sexual, romantic, platonic requires some level of responsibility. Mm-hmm. I mean, but it's like, that's so fucked because for a lot of reasons, but mainly because it takes the responsibility away. That leads to a whole other slew of issues where, um, with consent, mm-hmm. with STDs, yes. with, ev- with everything, with everything. Um, and, and just going off of that, I think, one of the most important points that that really, really, really bothers me that I think is maybe maybe talked about more than anything else we've said is that uh, the first time you have sex for girls, um, it's supposed to hurt. Yeah, sex is not. Supposed if it's to hurting, hurt. something's not Ever. right. It should never Ever. hurt. Ever. And it's so fucked. Oh my god, you just blew my mind. I'd never thought about it like this because I always. And I still kind of up until this very moment thought that like, oh, if it hurts, it's just something you push through. Like you just like, you just have to deal with it. And like, because that's how just, and for what? When it's literally for Mm -hmm. pleasure, for what? (gasps) You just blew my mind. I know. And like, I'm really, I'm really proud of little me, sort of semi little me. No, I know Um, when you should be proud of little you. Yeah. And I don't know where it came from. I don't know why this was very pre-feminism. For me, uh, when I was in high school, I think I was a senior in high school, and <laughs> my friends and I were talking like during fucking mass because I went to a Catholic high school, which is we will talk about for sure. I if if it's okay. Um, I mean, yeah. What do you mean? Are you asking me eventually, if it's okay? eventually. Well, yeah, because you didn't go to a Catholic high school, so I don't want to or Catholic. I mean, who school cares? We can talk about how life. you went to a Catholic school and I grew up like a witch. That's our duality. 
Okay, awesome. I mean, I'm not Catholic, but and I'm not technically a witch. I mean, I mean I'm not. I'm not a Catholic, but <laughs> I hate God. <laughs> That's straight. <laughs> that was funny. Um, but yeah, we were in mass, I think, and uh, we were talking, and my friend group and I were talking about sex, and and every single one of my friends was talking about how no, like sex is supposed to hurt for the first time, like it's going to, and. I, which is so dumb because it had for me, but I was like, no, it's not. It is not supposed to hurt. I don't know where I'm like still blown knew, away by like it. your feminist bones. It's in your bones. Right. It is. It was truly. And, and even though that wasn't my experience, I was like, I was mad about it. As you should I have was been. like, no, it should not. I was so adamant and I remember I got really upset about it. Yeah. And that was probably the first time I cried or was on the verge of tears talking about something that I was passionate about. That's such a good oh, that's such a like formative moment. Right. And, and now that's it when all Baby the time. Feminist was born. Right. And then Whoa! I had a teacher who and then I had a teacher. This is another lesson for you, ladies. Hmm. Um, I had a teacher who uh was described by my classmates before we had her. Um, everyone was like, She's such a bitch, she's such a feminist, like all she does is talk about feminism. Our queen. And I was like, ew. And then I had her, and now she's my favorite person in the entire world. Yeah, you're like, now I want to be her. And I wanted to marry her. Yeah. <laughs> That was baby Emily before. Oh, baby Emily. I just want to squeeze baby Emily. And I'll tell, should I just tell, should I tell this story about how she like was in my face? Yes, yes, that? yes. Okay. I'll tell it really, really People fast. People will gay panic relate. Okay. Yeah. I'll tell it really, really fast. So I love history. I love American history. Very randomly. She taught American history and I was, I always sat in the front row. I was like so obsessed with her. She was like a cute little italian woman like in her 30s i thought she was so badass she wasn't married she was so smart she always wore bright lipstick like she always wore like reds or god that's oh. embarrassing to admit no she's an icon <laughs> i love it no it's embarrassing to admit that i remember that no no, no it's not so many people can relate to this <laughs> take a breath Okay, so anyway, so one time she was telling this story about this politician and she was saying how um, every single person that he talked to would, would just, would just sit, do whatever he wanted. They would agree to deals and everything because he would always get in their face. Like he would always talk very <laughs> close to them just so that people would get out of the conversation. They would just agree. And so, of course, as she was explaining this, she decided to demonstrate with me because I was in the front row and she was like like emily if i'm talking to you like right here is this okay i was like yeah that's okay and then she got closer and she was like what about this and i was like i mean that's okay <laughs> and then she got like oh i don't know six inches from my face that's and so she was close. like what about this and i was like do i say this is okay and like, is that <laughs> weird or do i say it's not okay but like then she's not like then her point isn't being made and I was like, just full gay panicking. Oh. And I was like, that's okay, dude. Did you say she got even closer? <laughs> closer? She was like an inch, Stevie, an like, inch from my face. Yeah. And oh my God, I'm like clutching my chest. And she was like, what about this? And I was like, 
yeah that's a little close but really i was like but really oh God, that's, that's fine amazing i was like that's fine oh that's so precious i am shit i just tried to put down my drink and my entire hand is shaking <laughs> okay so anyway back to our most important point tangent aside you know that's our thing <laughs> i actually had some really like five head points about this when i was going through it this morning oh. so we tell women and girls that sex is, is supposed to hurt the first time mm-hmm. um to shrink them to provide a socially accepted conscience and narrative that belittles them so they don't speak up mm-hmm. so it's simply wow. another way to silence women stop that makes me so sad that so was me in high school yeah and, and like we do it, like it and we do it to blur the line of consent if it's supposed to hurt that takes all responsibility away from our partner oh my god we do it because of the outdated narrative that sex for making a baby which only requires men's pleasure is not for women to enjoy so if it hurts that's normal that's horrible it makes it a performance with an intentional ending instead of an experience of mutual pleasure. Like, just get through it. Did it's you write that? To hurt. And... It's fine. Yeah. Bitch, will you fucking write a book? Please. I've been telling you. Please write, like, a sex book. Please. I would, lo- I would love to do that. Maybe. It, it is a goal of mine. I mean, it is a goal. You should do but... it. What's stopping you? Just start writing it. No, just like, please, because that just blew my mind the way that we're, oh my God, just like the way that so many of these like small misogynistic things and these small oppressive like concepts, tactics, tactics yeah. things, you're like you see them as little small individual things you have to tack, that you have to tackle, but all of them linked together are just, they're all interconnected with every other realm of oppression, like in every other, you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Yes. And it's and like, I feel, okay, I want to preface though, because I don't, I feel bad using the word oppression because I am a white cis straight woman. Like I'm, I'm not oppressed. I know this. Right. But there's like the, so we notice, we notice. I know exactly what you mean. So here's a theory that might put you at some ease. Okay. So Marilyn Fry is a feminist uh, theorist and she basically came up with this, uh, this notion of a, of a bird cage. Mm-hmm. And so she said that a woman's life, a marginalized person's life, um, is like a bird in a bird cage. Each ring of the of the cage is some form of oppression, some form of shaming, some form wow. of wow. Oh yeah. This it's been a while, but I but I believe she said yes. A bird is born knowing how to, or it, a a bird is born and they learn how to fly, but. If you take the, even if you take the shackles of the cage away, even if you strip big or small, any of the layers of oppression, the bird still won't fly out of the cage Mm -hmm. because they don't know how to live their life outside of these narratives that have been shackling them their whole life. Similar, possibly, because- No, I think that's exactly what I mean. So if you've been taught your whole life that sex is supposed to hurt- that you have really no say mm-hmm. in how it goes. Um, it's going to keep you from understanding so many other things. Exactly. And so just up until like the 1950s, I mean, people were still having, like sex was viewed to have children, to procreate, except for men, mm-hmm. which 
it goes back to this narrative that women are the glue of the nuclear family mm. and it places women on like this metaphorical pedestal, cementing them in place whilst the infrastructure of oppression and inequity are being built and maintained behind them. Like it's a complete facade. Wow. And that and that narrative of like placing women on a pedestal whilst also oppressing them has been, I mean, that has been like the linchpin of society for, I mean, yeah, centuries. Yeah, wow, that's so interesting. So I want to read a Margaret Atwood quote that I just think oh, kind of ties yeah. this all together very well. I love Margaret. Um, she said, this is in the robber bride. <clears throat> she said, male fantasies, male fantasies is everything run by male fantasies up on a pedestal or down on your knees. It's all a male fantasy that you're strong enough to take what they dish out, dish out or else too weak to do anything about it. Even pretending you aren't catering to male fantasies is a male fantasy. Pretending you're unseen, pretending you have a life of your own, that you can wash your feet and comb your hair, unconscious of the ever-present watcher peering through the keyhole, peering through the keyhole in your own head, if nowhere else. You are a woman and with a man inside watching a woman. You are your own voyeur. So what the um, fuck do we do? So this bring, comes back around, virginity is a male fantasy sluttiness is a male fantasy reclaim whatever you've chosen for yourself oh, and yeah. fucking own it like i just want to say we are officially reclaiming losing your virginity quote unquote to making your partnered sexual debut it's a sexual <gasps> debut sexual debut yeah can you tell us because on sexual debuts we'd love to hear please like because it places the control in your hands mm -hmm. 100%. And you can have more than one sexual debut. You can have different Absolutely. stages of sexual debuts. Like literally, oh, that's so exciting. 100%. Um my Leo ass really liked that. <laughs> yeah, no, for real. Like and just leading from the Margaret Atwood quote, um it reminds me of a John Berger quote. He said, "Men look at women, women watch themselves being looked at." Mm. And we'll get into more of that when we talk about the episode on the male gaze, but like society polices how women behave and how we present ourselves by belittling us, by mocking us, by shaming us, mm -hmm. et cetera. So it's like reject that by saying you don't care what other people think. Yeah. Be a slut, be a whore, be a virgin, be a solo party babe, be a makeout Adonis. Be the best hugger ever. Just do it because you want to, not because society wants you to conform. Don't give the man that power he craves. Spend that energy buying yourself lingerie and dancing naked, and you'll be good. Emily, you're my hero. You're my that, hero. No, that's the you best thing hero. I've ever heard. Every single, ever. every single woman that I talk to is my hero. Literally. All of you listening, you're our heroes. Yep. Okay, no, but listen, to take my fucking compliment for a second. That is the best thing okay. I've ever heard written, and, like, someone needs to put it on t-shirts. You said make out Adonis, bitch. I want that tattooed on my forehead. Because it's, like, I think we place so much emphasis on, like, the act of penetration when it's, like, if you want to spend the rest of your life making out with people in bars, like... That is so fucking iconic. Yes. If you want to spend the rest of your life going on first dates and like holding that person's hand on the way home, like you're amazing. Mm -hmm. I'm obsessed with you. Like 
if you want to buy all the lingerie that comes out and take pictures of yourself nude or take pictures of yourself in it and admire them for the rest of your life, you are my hero. I love you. Like truly it all comes down to how you feel about yourself. You are, we said it before, but you come home, you have to come home to you at the end of the day. So yeah, exactly. That's all that matters. And speaking of supporting literally everybody, no matter what they um, choose to do, um, I wanted to mention. Let's talk about it. So, um, so speaking of that, one of my friends um, from college, her name is Nix. I'll I'll link her Instagram in our thread thing. She's doing something called Sex Worker Saturdays, where she's featuring and uplifting sex workers, and I think it's amazing. And I'm learning so much as she like posts these on her stories and like with the discussions she's facilitating. And so everyone go follow her on Instagram. Again, we'll link it. It'll be on our social media at the Sex Files Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr. Um and um like follow her and check that out and like support some sex workers like she's a college student like subscribe to her only fans and support her like let yes let's support women reclaiming something that's we've told is supposed to dictate us claiming what we've been told claims us let's fucking support that you know what i mean yep exactly so (laughs) the episode (laughs) (laughs) you ready for the episode finally yeah all right an hour in another like okay no that wasn't an hour i i also just have one more like overarching point Mm -hmm. that i would like to make because the first time i ever watched this episode it really bothered me it left such a horrible taste in my mouth and so i have a lot of thoughts about it you're gonna teach Um, me a lot in this episode you think because i can feel that things are off but I liked this episode the first time I watched it because I thought it was like it kept me interested and it felt like it was about women. I didn't think critically about yeah. it, and so right. I feel like I'm eating and you can totally hear it. <laughs> That's okay. I'll eat too. You want me to eat mm-hmm. something? Okay. That solidarity. I got a Reese's. Mm. I love Reese's. We say so many things different. It makes me laugh. You say I Reese's? say Reese's. You say Reese's. I say documentary. You say documentary. And there's something else that we just said. Hosier. I say Hosier. <laughs> it's not Hosier. It's Hosier. I don't fucking know. No. So like, I felt like things were off in this episode, but I I liked it initially, but I and I didn't know how to articulate it. And even through my notes, I still could, didn't really find exactly exactly what it was. I had a very small revelation. It's, it's- very hard yeah it's very hard to articulate what is wrong with this episode but there is a lot i know there's a lot but i I couldn't like put my finger on it It was just like shrouded in a in a a veil of wrongness a very yucky (laughs) feeling and i had like one small revelation throughout like a few little ones where i was like oh i didn't realize that like in that way before but that's okay that's okay this entire episode is about reproductive manipulation and trauma eugenic things that do not need to be talked about in a sci-fi series but if women are going to be welcomed into this boy club of uh this boys club of science fiction the way is through traumatization oh that's a good way to put it like either unwillingly because men are really dumb and don't recognize the severe trauma of having your autonomy uh of not having autonomy over your own body Um, or because they view trauma as an empowering plot line, suggesting that women 
have to suffer to be strengthened mm-hmm. and hardened to be empowered because men are empowered like through violence, like they're empowered through war. Mm. Um, so that kind of pain needs to be inflicted on women um, to give themselves like a sense of purpose because that's how men give themselves a sense of purpose. Oh. And so I just wanted to quote this line from Fleabag, mm. which like I'm fully oh, yeah. obsessed with, which explains it just perfect. It explains uh, like weird family of like trauma and empowerment and women and sci-fi very well just very brief backstory fleabag who's the main character who's like 30 something is speaking to a woman who's Mm. in her 50s and the woman in her 50s says women are born with pain built in it's our physical destiny period pain sore boobs childbirth we carry it within ourselves throughout our lives men don't they have to seek it out they invent all these gods and demons so they can feel guilty about things, which is something we we do very well on our own. We have pain on a cycle for years and years and years. And then just when you feel you're making peace with it all, the menopause comes. Yes, your entire pelvic floor crumbles and you get fucking hot and no one cares, but then you're free. No longer a slave, no longer a machine with parts. You're just a person. Mm. Holy shit. And so, yeah, Holy shit. I need to finish Fleabag. I never finished it because my ex-boyfriend showed it to me. And so it just like left a bad taste in my mouth. But I know it's amazing that I would love it. So, And, and that is one of the last episodes. Mm. That is one of like the, it that's is incredible. so fantastic. And that's so movie. fascinating because like, it's like, of course, like if you're not a woman and you have a uterus and you have that pain built inside compounded with the pain of not having your identity validated invite and even if you're um a woman without a uterus then it's like a whole nother issue like it's a whole fucking thing and so it's like because men are um need to elicit pain elicit suffering to feel a sense of purpose of course a male writer's room is going to do that female characters yeah a woman um Women are predisposed to feel pain. It, it mm-hmm. comes built in. Women, I say, yes, umbrella yes. term. People mm-hmm. with uteruses, people who identify as women. Because we've persevered through ways that men can't see, men think it's only natural to inflict that on us in tangible ways that mm-hmm. they can see. And that is literally the embodiment of the of this writer's yeah, room. That's so true. This episode just reminded me of that quote. It helped me to have some sort of explanation for why <laughs> why this episode is would have been written and aired yeah. on television. Yeah. Um, and so that's it. That's so that's all I have to say before mm-hmm. we get into plot. Should we should we dive in? Yeah, let's do it. So we open on Greenwich, Connecticut. Um, a couple notices this little girl standing outside uh, in the cold. They go to her. They go in the backyard. They find her father dead. Cut to FBI headquarters in the basement with our babies. Mm. Uh, babies. babies. Um, Scully is telling Mulder that the man died from blood loss. And while there's no- makes a joke about the fucking victims every time. He's such a- f- I'm like, can you please, sir? Yeah. And it's funny because like this, this is the episode, <laughs> this episode, I noticed that like he was making jokes and he was like looking at her extra long. 
He's like, did, did you get it? Did you get it? Like, I just, just a joke. to see if she laughed. Mm-hmm. And it was really funny because she so never funny. laughed. No, because it's not funny. She smirked once. Um, and so she says that there was no evidence. While there was no evidence of anything, there were two small puncture wounds on his neck, to which Mulder, of course, responds, are you familiar with cattle mutilations? <laughs> Naturally. Sanguination. Um, yeah. I take a shot every time they say exsanguination in this episode. <laughs> Literally. And so, of course, she doesn't. She is not familiar with that. She doesn't. Hello? She isn't. Mm. These these drinks are really hitting me right now. <laughs> like in the best way possible. Okay, let's continue. So Keep going. So, um, of course, she doesn't. And he gets very excited that he gets to explain them to her. Which he, I love. He, he gets so excited at you. That's a horrible angle. <laughs> That's a beautiful angle. Are you kidding me? Oh my god, that was so stunning. I had my mic down, so I leaned forward to talk, and it was just like all that those. was so stunning. Stop. Sorry. That was really beautiful. Thank you. I, I love you. Um, oh, he just like loves because it means that she's listening to him, and he gets to show off, and he just wants to impress her so bad. Like he just wants her to look at him and be like, he just like, wants her to think that he's smart and. He's a little yeah. puppy. Is it okay that I'm chewing? You do what you want. We make the rules here. If people really no. don't like it, they'll tell us and we'll never eat in an episode again. Mm. Mm-hmm. So Mulder says it was likely exsanguination that was made possible from a paralytic drug. Yeah. And then Scully's like, explain that to me. That makes no sense. And Mulder says, okay, baby, lean in. Nope, babe. It was aliens. It makes me laugh so hard because this whole episode, he keeps making jokes about UFOs because he's like so sure. He's like, oh no, you got to look up in the sky, babe. He's like, or something, not someone. And, I, and, and then he's fucking wrong. And I'm like, mm. she's, she's like, that would be funny if you bet me over your desk. <laughs> I made that. No, I made that joke later, but it fits perfectly right if here. It's so perfect. I wish he'd bend me so, over something. Oh my God. The fact, oh, can I mention that somebody called me out on Instagram today because I just posted the ad for Fallen Angel and the the, the, the first photo is his um, neck and somebody replied to our story and said Stevie must have been the one to do, the, to do this post today. And I was like, fuck. So to be fair, I am bi. Um, I would marry Scully in a heartbeat. Um, I view Mulder solely as a, a sex object. As Objectification only. Scully is my baby. The neck picture was a lot. Let's continue. So this was Emily's way of coming out that she also likes his neck, and I'm not alone here. That's what she's that really was. not alone. I'm not alone. I'm pretty sure I was the one who called attention to his neck that made you. You were. You're the one who yeah. ruined me. <gasps> yeah, you fully did. Anyone want me to ruin Mulder for them and make him simply an objectifiable sex object, let me know. I can do that for it's you. It's revolutionary. Let's keep going. I just want to say also the only thing normal about them, the only thing normal about Mulder mm-hmm. is like his slideshows. Like that's the only part of like FBI protocol that they stick to. Yeah, she tries in the beginning, I notice a lot. Like she says in this episode, like, oh, I'll call someone from the San Francisco Bureau to like relieve you. <laughs> and I was like, he's like, and then David Duchovny just goes, Okay. It's like, sir, have you ever taken an acting class in your entire fucking life? Christ. Maybe that's like, why they took the procedural stuff out because he couldn't do it believably. They're like, what well, fuck it. Truly, truly. Okay. 
Um, and then also like Mulder's playing professor, which is like turning Scully on to like no, what am I trying to say? No end. Yeah, to no end. That's the word. Mm-hmm. Scully is like on the verge of orgasm because of she it. She is. Um, I'm with her. And like, yeah, again, like him liking to explain these crazy things to her is very hot. So Mulder explains, and like the other thing is, is like he explains all of his theories, and like she gives like zero judgment. I know she listens because to them. like he li- she listens to them. And she challenges them, which he appreciates because her challenges come from a place of scientific of science yeah. and intellect and not ridicule. Well, her, her, th- her theories and like science and challenges come from a place of wanting to make the theory better so that they can solve the case. Like she's not exactly. working against him. She's working with him. She wants to solve the case. She's not going to, why would she do that? It's not an ego thing exactly. for her. What a motherfucking concept that men will never <gasps> totally yeah like it's totally. literally just because it's not coming from an ego-based thing yeah crazy so Mulder's literally like talking to her about ufos and like cow di- cows dicks being bitten mm-hmm. and she's like yeah for sure but like let's like what if we consider this yeah she's like interesting interesting she's so amazing i know yeah. love her i want to be on doing a group project with her oh i want to be on a date with her Okay. So we fly to we we fly to Fairfield <laughs> County. All four um, of us. All four of us. In the back. Yep. And we go to social the social services hostel in uh, Connecticut. Where Tina, the little girl from the beginning, is staying because she has no family. Yeah. Beside her her dad just passed away and her mother had passed away from ovarian cancer. Mm-hmm. Um her dad was murdered. I just want to say, um, scully is such a fucking babe holy shit i swear to god my original villain story is like not being able to be the mother of her child i just want to say that i will be (laughs) lamenting about that so many times throughout the series but like no i fully support you that's like the saddest part of my life and if i think about it too much i could cry actually you should have fathered her children like i had a better story that would have been what a better life that child would have had scully and Mulder go in to speak with her the, the, the child mm-hmm. tina yes and again we have scully being a fucking soft little angel baby i know her with children makes me so emotional so gentle so with this gentle. child and she keeps saying daddy oh my god and i didn't even is, notice that and what a, <laughs> like every single sentence she's like and do you did you notice anything weird about your daddy and did you do anything mean to your daddy? Like, a bitch. She turns up to Mulder. She's like, daddy? He's like, what? <laughs> she goes, what, do you have anything to add, daddy? He's like, what, huh? All the blood leaves his head and rushes to his dick and he just faints. What? He just faints. It's just so much blood loss. Talk about blood loss. <laughs> Hello? Sanguination. Scully saying daddy would insanguinate Mulder. Insanguinate him. Ew. Thursday. Okay, we gotta keep going. And what does Mulder say? That's a nice bunny, Tina. (laughs) (laughs) Nice bunny. Her father's dead, Mulder. Yeah, literally. Um, so Tina's saying that all she remembers is red lightning Mm -hmm. and that the men from the clouds were after her dad because they wanted to insanguinate him. And Mulder's like holy shit this this girl knows what's up but the fact that he's like that must mean it's true when i'm like bro an Mm -hmm. eight-year-old just said exsanguinate right to your face yep like 
like that shit sends me every time and then he's like oh i'm right this eight-year-old fucking knows the word sanguine totally yeah let's go um but like i love the fact that she just capitalizes on all of Mulder's alien theories and totally plays the shit out of him and he's like "Mm," his ego's just growing and this eight-year-old's like you fucking idiot literally like she is playing him so hard yeah I don't like it when she does it to Scully and Scully's comforting them when she shouldn't be. That makes me mad. But when they do it to Mulder, I'm like, yeah, get him. Get him, yeah. So then Scully gets a phone call, Mm -hmm. goes off to the side. She calls Mulder, and he's like, ugh, what, babe? He's so invested in what this eight-year-old has to say. He's like, she just said exsanguinated. And then they – so Scully says there's been another murder in California. They fly to California – um and it's a it's very similar if not identical to the murder of tina's dad Mm -hmm. at the exact and even down to the exact same time and so scully says it's two serial killers who must be working in tandem yeah and then and Mulder emphatically disagrees with her even though fucking right that's literally what i wrote this whole episode is i was like everything scully says in the beginning is right like, she's literally yes. onto it the whole time, and somehow 100%. he gets a leak, and he gets all the credit, because he has a fucking, yep. whatever the fuck, deep throat is, like, yeah. sugar baby, or whatever. Like, yeah, his literal daddy. His literal sh- daddy. <gasps> deep throat is Mulder's sugar daddy. Like, Mulder has daddy issues. Yeah, it's not even, yeah, fuckers. But, like, the whole- Like, it's not even Scully. No, Mulder does. The whole thing is that, like, he, and he still gets all the credit. Like, in the end, like, it's, like, him who's, like, solving her or whatever the fuck. When she was yeah. right literally from the get-go. And he's, like, no. Yeah. And I just want to say, too, like, have you ever been in a situation where, like, you're sure something's not right, but you go along with it because you assume the person knows uh, what they're doing? Mm-hmm. And, like- yes. Could you imagine if Scully did that every single time she thought Mulder was missing something or, like, not considering something? They'd never solve a single case. No. And, like, I think that this is the most intimate detail about Scully that I never actually fully recognize is that she literally never backs down from him and... That's so true. ...is right this time. Like, it does end up being two serial killers working in tandem. And, like... Scully's self-confidence is just killer in this episode. Like, you, I, I truly recognize it in this episode. It's true. I wrote that, too, at a later point. Yeah. But it's, like, I, I wouldn't mind if if, if, if it this, this situation was set up like this, if Mulder just took one second to be like, oh, it looks like you were right. Literally, that's it. That's all it would take. Totally. Just one acknowledgement of the fact well, that she knew it from the beginning. And it's also made worse by the fact that later on, he says exactly what she said in the beginning without any credit acknowledgement that, that she had said it earlier yep which is what you just said but yeah. yeah it just goes back to that thing that we've already talked about where it's like you say something and then the man in the room says it louder and he gets all the credit yep. so someone is breaking into tina's room and she gets kidnapped the nurse which i thought was weird heard her scream but not someone fucking beating down her door i know like, she jumps right up when she screams. Just want to say, too, like, I would die for Scully in season one. Like, I would die for her looks, but, like, specifically her briefcase. Um, but then, like, also her hair and her freckles. Yeah. Also her pinstripe suits and also her trench coat. Okay, everything about her. And her bangs and her shoes and her face. And, yeah, and her skin her, and her left intestine and her kidney and her liver. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, truly smooch it off so so they go uh to the home of the second victim 
Um, Mulder makes all these jokes, like what you said earlier about like maybe the perpetrator, like maybe they're looking up, whatever the fuck he says. Yeah. And then Mulder knocks on the door and literally as soon as Scully turns her head, he checks her the fuck out so hard. Does he? So hard. Oh, I have to go back I can't watch. believe you missed that. Is this like when he looked at her ass and you missed it? Is it like that, is yeah. that obvious? It's, it's even more obvious. Oh, I'm yeah. so excited. And it's so hot because his mouth is literally like gaping. Like his mouth is hanging open. Oh, I can't wait. They open the door. If someone opens the door. And it's literally a girl who looks exactly like Tina. Right. And her name is Cindy, and she lives at this house. It is not Tina. So, and no, and like Scully asks, like, do you live here? And she says, ever since I was born eight years ago, like, ma'am, a single yes would have sufficed. Literally would have been, would have been perfectly fine. She's like, yes, of course. Ever since the moment that I entered the womb, exited, whatever. Cindy sus. That's all I have to say. Cindy's so sus. And like the more I watch this episode, the more obvious I think it is that they're the ones doing it. Oh, totally, totally. Mulder and Scully go in the house. They're talking to the mom. Or no, they're not talking to the mom yet. They're just like observing Cindy. Yeah. And they like give it each other this like look. Oh, there was so- silent communication in this episode. It's so much, and they were so close to each other. Like his arm was basically around her. Yeah. So Scalder, Scalder. <laughs> So Scully and Mulder are questioning. The other day, day I was texting Emily and my brain literally just wrote Steli and Scully. It happens. What are you going to do? It happens. Okay, keep going. So Scully and Mulder are questioning this, the mother, mm-hmm. Cindy's mother. And Mulder is being very insensitive and clearly does not recognize that asking a woman if she secretly gave birth to twins um it would be upsetting to her yeah and like very much crossing a boundary that she didn't welcome you to talk about so scully steps in and tells the woman that the girl in the photo that she showed her um with her father is tina well right because here's the thing is that like right when she shows her the picture the mom's immediate reaction is that that man did something to her daughter and like of course and so scully like literally the look on her face she's like oh god why would you just show that to to her and then like steps in and is like no listen 100%. Jesus Christ. Um, and Scully explains to the mother that um, this girl in the photo, her father, who was also in the photo, had been killed in the exact same way that her husband had. Mm-hmm. Here we go. I audibly gasped when the mother said that they tried to have a child for six years mm-hmm. because why is this a recurring theme? Like, because... why is it simply not enough for this woman to be traumatized by her husband's death and the line of questioning from them Mm -hmm. why do women's bodies always have to feel like their bodies are betraying them like why does that why does that have to be glorified like no literally because they prey on the most desperate of women totally like yes Exactly. That's what it is. Exactly. And it's like yes. once, and then they start with the fucking IVF bullshit. And it's like, hey, Chris Carter, news fucking Literally. flash. People who go through IVF go through a fucking lot emotionally and have usually experienced yep. pregnancy loss or other some sort of trauma just from society deeming you unworthy because your uterus doesn't work properly or yep. whatever the fuck. Yes. So let's yep. maybe not use that as a fucking mode to propel your weird conspirated plot when there's more at stake. Like this isn't some frivolous plot device. There's a lot at stake here. And they, it's like they throw in a giant boulder as if it's a pebble. 
That's literally. Oh my God. Fucking. Pr- oh my God. That was so beautiful. That just, I didn't even write that down. That just came. That was so beautiful. That's what it is that though. You so know what beautiful. I mean? Like they're throwing boulders totally. like they're pebbles. And it, yeah. You can't do that. Like it, it's, it's unsettling to. Like, believe. let me put this in terms that you would understand, Chris Carter. You're driving along in your car. Little pebble hits your windshield. Whatever. Maybe you got a little scratch. Not even a crack. Yeah. You're driving along in your car and a fucking boulder drops on your car and squish. You're dead. And squish, you're dead. That's the difference. Flat. The difference you. is your fucking life. Like, literally. So anyway, so this woman, as Stevie said, did, had gone through IVF mm-hmm. to conceive Cindy. Yes. They leave and they're sitting in their car and Scully or in Mulder is like, I'm going to stay here because if the same pattern of events happens to Cindy as it did Tina, that would mean she was going to be kidnapped. Mm -hmm. So Mulder says that. So he says, I'm going to stay and protect Cindy. You can, can you go to the clinic, the IVF clinic and see if the Simmons, the first victim, um, use the same fertility program. So as the scene cuts (laughs) and Mulder gets out of the car, Scully literally looks like she's about to hop over the center council. And I just, I love it. I know. I wrote get Scully a coat that fits challenge here. Please. Please. She wasn't even pregnant here. Jillian was not even pregnant. Okay. Seriously. So um, Scully goes to the um, clinic. Mm -hmm. I'm like so glad I'm already tipsy talking about this because. I don't think I could do this episode sober. No, no way. Scully says, could a patient. So she's talking to the doctor. Mm She says, could a patient believe she was receiving her own egg, but actually receive another without her knowledge, which of course is exactly what happens to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's tragic oh that my God. Oh my God. what wait, they wait, wait. chose. Just, oh, it gets even worse. Oh my God. I did not even put, I didn't realize that. Yeah. It, it gets even worse. It gets even fucking worse. Um, like I was actually on the verge of tears, this like think, writing these notes because no, that makes me so um, sad because she's like fighting for these women and she's gonna become one of the women by trying to fight for them. Like, and then and then no one fights for her. <laughs> yep. Please so, tell a wow, joke. I just soon. got a pain in my chest. Sorry. I know. Please tell a joke soon. Okay, I got, I got a joke. <laughs> not a good joke. I got not a joke, but so. It's tragic that what they chose to bring back in this series, um, we later find out that the Eve, that it's a whole thing, but something that's established um, here Mm -hmm. is brought back later on in the series as a major plot device, and that is the existence of super soldiers. Some of the characters in this episode are super soldiers. So it's it's horrible. Really? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. They just call them superior soldiers. Wait, who? So the deep, deep throat calls them that. Oh, yeah. Which so I didn't, I didn't even realize think they were part. Of, so they're alien human hybrids before that, that was identified. So it's not necessarily that is spoken about, but this is the introduction of the concept of, of super, super soldiers. soldiers. Oh wow! Yeah, yes. I didn't even put that together. It's tra- what I wanted to say is like it's tragic that they chose to bring back um, traumatizing women when like there was a literal plot device mm-hmm. that they could have capitalized on, but they don't bring the characters back. Like they don't right, bring right, Eve right, back. Right. Okay. Yeah. I wrote um, that at the end and I thought it was weird that they didn't bring any of this back. Eve back, right? with the way that it ended. 
like they chose to bring the reproductive trauma back. <laughs> um, and like it's frustrating that what they brought back was the use of women's bodies as vessels to drive the plot. Yeah, yeah. But like the thing is, is that I know this is when we find out about Dr. Kendrick, who worked at the hospital. I know that's the part we're going into. Yeah. And like they talk, they pin everything on her as if she's not a victim herself. Totally. Like, exactly. As if yeah. she herself isn't an existing human experiment. Like it's t- like horrible. Yeah. So. So we go into the so they go into the office, Scully and this doctor. Mm-hmm. I love the way my that he talks. We're like she's an equal. Totally, my stomach is turning, but Scully's profile is immaculate. Mm-hmm. Um, so he the doctor gives her the name of Doctor Sally Kendrick, who the families were sup- were under the supervision of. Mm-hmm. He says that she was let go because she was tampering with genetic material of fertilized ova in the lab prior to implant and experimenting with eugenics. Mm -hmm. And Scully's horrified at the mention of eugenics. Horrified, horrified. So he says that his request for an investigation was denied and she disappeared. Mm. Because the government knew about it. (gasps) Because the government knew about it, exactly. So I have two points to make here. One is that this episode makes me physically angry knowing the rest of the plot of the show um, i didn't even consider it that i think that's why it wasn't clicking for me it's because totally in the realm that this is all fucking what happens to scully like this just wait just fucking wait like just fu- it gets so much okay, worse like what i'm about to okay so the doctor starts to play a video of dr kendrick for scully mm-hmm. as they're talking it starts playing in the background you can barely hear it the sound comes back in the main frame on the line, quote, we know the pain of infertility I know, I wrote and we too. are ready to help. As the camera is on Scully's face, like it is truly, like I got, whew, I feel like I'm going to cry. Why do I feel like I'm going to cry? It's okay if you cry. Stop. No, it's okay. It's so haunting. Singular shot is so haunting. Oh, I didn't think about it was that it was on her face. The sound comes back into, sh- into, into the shot. And it's on her face. No, I'm gonna cry. I know it's 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 horrible. Like it's truly horrible. And then the second what's horrible? Um, what's horrible is that they don't no, even. It's, okay, go. it's the whole thing that they're just throwing this fucking shit in there, as in that's not as if that's not so painful for women. Exactly. That, that's the whole point. As if this isn't Ex- exactly. a fucking horrible thing that happens to women that they have to deal with. And not only just having to deal with if they want a child, but have to deal with because society makes them feel like they're broken and not whole if they can't. Mm-hmm. And like he's just like tossing it in his fucking flavor. Like really yep. no compassion or consideration or like care. Like he doesn't handle anything with care. And it doesn't get better. The end of the episode just brings us full circle and then that is perpetuated throughout the series. And the only difference is that it's transferred to Scully instead of this minor character that we're highlighting this episode. Mm-hmm. So the video continues playing, the scene changes, and Scully is showing Mulder this video in his motel room. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, they talk for a bit. The sound of the video plays on the line, quote, miracles can happen with the camera panning on Scully's face again. It's physically upsetting because Scully was used as a vessel. I'm not very smart. I can't articulate this very well, but I'm going to try. No, I'm going to try. Don't call yourself not smart. But as someone who wants to 
disallow this kind of like playground behavior with women's bodies, the scene was really upsetting because it again is very oddly reminiscent of Scully's journey with IVF later on. And when Mulder tells her in a flashback from in, in season eight or something, um, to quote, never give up on a oh miracle. Oh my God. Like why, um, what the fuck is wrong with the writers that they think that that's like something fun that they can play on? Like just, this desire for women, like that's so. It's just gross that this doctor who tampered with Ova and dabbled in medical rape um, is like a weird foreshadowing for a version of what literally happens to Scully twice. I didn't realize that I, this it's is just, yeah, very, I knew you were going to blow my mind with this. I can't, I hate this episode now. Like truly no part of me really can like upsetting. it because I didn't connect it to the larger plot. And and I think at fault sometimes I connect it to the larger plot because of course people watching for the first time aren't aren't gonna think anything no, of that's this. So, yeah, that's true. If you're um, watching this for the first time, it's probably a really good but, episode and you really like it. But that's really yeah. unsettling and just gross. It's just so it's just very upsetting. And it's it's which is horrible, but it's doubly upsetting because of the way that Jillian looks. Later seasons, she's much more hardened. She's she such a has baby. A sharper hero. haircut. She's such. She looks like such a young and I don't want to say naive because she's not naive, but she has the she has a level of uninvolvement that gives her a sense of I guess innocence of what is going to happen. To I mean, her. it's like that hits so hard. I think for so many women looking at it like that because like that's absolutely how I feel looking at pictures of me when I was like like 13 14 like right before shit hit the fan like just looking at like a younger version of yourself not realizing the trauma that's about to ensue and just like on young women before just like fucking life happens that's horrible yeah and it's yep just sickening that they just throw it they're like oh that's like a like i'm sure if you brought that point up to chris carter or any of the writers that were involved in this in these plot lines that they'd be like oh what a fun parallel totally And like, here was my biggest thing was that part of me likes, bear with me here. Uh, Yeah, no, I'm, I'm all ears. Go for it. Part of me likes the reproductive plot line because I think, what did I write? Because like the whole thing of women's bodies being manipulated and being nothing but a vessel are relevant and true within this patriarchal heteronormative society. Like, it rings very true. And so it could have been important and could have had a great impact if it was handled with the weight it it had, if it was handled with care. But like literally, like I said earlier, like it, they're tossing giant boulders, like they're stones and it just, you can't, like they're looking at it like, oh, isn't this so spooky and scary and fucked up when really they're depicting like people's biggest traumas. It's just highlighting how the government's involvement in dictatorship over women's bodies can end up absolutely disastrous. And like, if they were looking at it like, mm-hmm. what, like this is why we should stop that, but they're not asserting anything. Like, does that make no. any sense? I don't know if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like this could have been a cautionary tale that, that would have an impactful message if they... Um, on why the government should not be involved in women's bodies. Yes, but they don't understand the implications of the matter in which they're writing about. Instead of looking at this as the only person who should have control over a woman's body is herself, they looked at this and thought, 
isn't this fucking spooky that's literally exact that's exactly it like (laughs) they're in Mulder's motel room the phone rings and scully picks it up there's a couple of clicks before they hang up Mulder jumps up here with her his glasses on her bed yeah he looks very hot no he does he's like the what's that um statue no um what's the the dude who's like sat there like the thinking man the thinking man yeah that's what he reminds me of Anyway, chiseled because yeah, he yeah, got yeah, his yeah. hands on his lips. Yeah, chiseled the hair on his arm. Oh, God, that was heterosexual. Okay. <laughs> so Mulder jumps the fuck up because apparently that's the signal for deep throat. So he kicks Scully out and she thinks it's because he either hired a sex worker or has a little side biddy in <laughs> California. <laughs> Who the fuck knows? I know. Who does she think is coming over? So yeah, I have no idea. Mulder goes to meet with Deep Throat. Um, he tells her. He tells him all this shit, and then Mulder goes back to Scully. Can I just fucking say? I'm so sorry. I'm so annoyed that he has a connection in, in oh, Deep Throat and doesn't ever tell Scully about it. <laughs> like they're part. Like this information serves her too. Like maybe at this point it's warranted because like they're not fully like he's still like very secretive about it. They're not like, like fully trusting. Hmm. But like into season three, he still doesn't share that link with her, and it's frustrating. Like, I say this because I just finished season three with my mom yesterday, but like. He still, it's like a mm-hmm. secret him thing. I'm like, why the fuck isn't anybody seeking totally. her out? Why does no connection come to her when her sister's about to be murdered? What Mulder relays to Scully is that um, Deep Throat told him about the Lynchfield experiment that originated in Russia where they were crossbreeding animals. Nope. Humans specifically women I know they, they speak um, of the atoms but we don't fucking see them they're top people like most intelligent most most the strongest the best athletes whatever to create what he called um sup- superior soldiers mm-hmm. which was a group of genetically controlled children they were raised and monitored in um, on a compound in litchfield the boys were called adam girls were called eve gross fucking adorable whatever um and i swear to god like it really hit me at this episode or at this at this part like this episode is just one huge fucking like sigh Mm -hmm. like just ugh. like that is the conclusion of this episode because it just keeps on getting fucking worse it does so Mulder and Scully go to the former compound, I guess, which is yeah. now the the okay. Whitting Institute for the Criminally Insane, which doesn't sound great. So they go to see Eve Six, right? <laughs> which like <laughs> naming people based Cute. on a number is just adorable, fucking so yeah, humanizing that's and the real cutest shit and ever. Passionate, Ugh. totally. What a king, Chris Carter and. Is. This scene is just, I mean, terrifying. Horrifying. But like, this actress is so good. So good. Like, I, I love seen this actress. She reminds me of Annette Bennett. <gasps> Annette Bennett? Or Annette Benning? Yeah. Annette Benning. Yeah. Oh, she's so... Oh, yeah. That's exactly what she reminds me of. I was totally, to right? I'm, she's so yeah. good. Annette Benning. She's very so, scary, and she plays different Eves very well. Like, all three of her so Eves have well. such different... It's so good. So well. And I just want to say, like, this is what happens when you put mentally ill people in prisons. This is what happens. Like, mm-hmm. in fact, it was a woman, I would like to point out, who idealized the separation of those people, of, of those people who were mentally ill and people who were criminals um, in England in, like, the 1700s. 
but like why listen to women like let's revert like let's revert back to the old days when people like shit in buckets and died from the plague (laughs) and dumped them out sounds great yeah yeah like like, let's like an old soul you know yeah like totally they go and see eve six they go into her um i I was literally about to just say unprompted cage because that's literally what it is it's a cage yeah they go into her cell this poor woman they created her like what yeah literally a a a a monster in human form through no fault of her own none um it's just tragic um she was made to experiment on um she was made to suffer and she was made to die Mm -hmm. Hmm. sounds familiar little bit just a titch eve six is talking to Mulder and scully she tells them that all this shit that these people have heightened intelligence that they have heightened strength and Mulder says they have heightened psychosis they're uncontrollable mm-hmm. um she tells them that she was part of this um eugenics cloning experiment um she says that she's the only one left out of all of the Adams and all the Eves, aside from Eve 7 and 8. Who were out and escaped, right? Who were out, yeah, in the world somewhere. She says, if you don't believe me, look on my wall. There's a picture of all the Eves, and fuck is it disturbing. Yeah, um, yeah I, I don't like that at all. But anyways, they, look, they all look like Tina and Cindy, the two little girls. Mm-hmm. They find out that Dr. Kendrick was using the clinic that she worked at to carry out the Lynchfield experiment. To try to like fix herself, like, which is so heartbreaking. She's trying to like fix her younger self because she's trying to like fix the problems that somebody can get a good life. Like that's horrible. Scully thinks that Eve six is uh, Sally Kendrick because they look identical. Mm -hmm. Um, But she's not right. No. So Mulder and Scully then go back um, to Cindy's house. Mm-hmm. They're outside just keeping watch. Um, and a fucking course, Mulder repeats exactly what Scully said earlier and frames it like he's had some big fucking breakthrough um, saying that there are two serial killers working at the same in tandem. And then Scully says, she's like, wow, up until this moment, I was beginning to suspect the girls. And I'm like... Which she's also correct about. She's fucking right every time. I want to yell right now, but my family's but, asleep. Yeah, but Mulder dismisses it, of course. He's like, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. So he thinks that Kendricks is killing the parents to keep Cindy and Tina in the Eve family. Mm-hmm. Um, then all of a sudden, someone kidnaps Cindy and Mulder and Scully break, like, go into the house and <sighs> baby Scully with a gun... Oh boy. I'm pro gun control, by the way. <laughs> I just want to say that because that sounded bad. Only Scully um, has a gun. Yeah, only Scully can have a little baby like Bonnie, Bonnie and Clyde gun. So oh, I love that she barges into the house being like, there's someone upstairs way outside. Like, this is a moment that you really see her confidence shining through. Yes. And then, of course, two seconds in, she barely gets shoved and they're like, yeah, she knocked out. She fucking bumps her. She goes bump. She passes out, I guess. So Mulder gets Kendrick's, but he has to let her go because we all know because of their superior strength, she she would have overpowered him. She would have overpowered him one, but she also just like quickly outsmarted him. She's like, you know, I'm going to shoot it. Like, you know, I'll shoot her. Like, exactly. So cut to 
Scully is explaining everything to the police and they start a manhunt for Kendrick. Love Scully yelling orders at this man. Very sexy of her. Oh, wait, can um, I go back to something really quick? Yeah. I might cut this out because I don't know if it's as I don't know how accurate it is. But like this is really small, but I'm always bothered when they describe women like in um oh no, this is the exact part we're at. I'm always bothered when they like are describing like uh their target, their suspect, or whatever, and they're describing mm-hmm. women, and they say their weight, and they say she's 135 pounds. Uh-huh. And this woman is five eight, and looks very strong, and she's not 135 pounds. Like, are you fucking joking? <laughs> they always do that. The number always is too small. Really? Always. It's always. It fucks me up. She's well, five. Like I literally looked at pictures of like what. 135 pounds looks on a 5A body and it's very, mm-hmm. very thin. And this woman is she's fit. She's like mm. not a rail. And I'm like, why don't you just use her real weight? It pisses me off. Because I guarantee you they didn't even look it up. They just picked a number. Literally. Like mm-hmm. I remember in I Love Lucy, uh, like which is my origin show. <laughs> Lucy Wall is my origin character. That's a person, you know what I mean? Um mm-hmm. And like they, they're doing that. They're filling out a form for her or something, and they say she's a hundred and nine pounds. Homegirl was five eleven, and like a hundred and nine pounds. Hundred and nine pounds. And so I fucking grew up being like, oh my god, I, like I'm pretty sure when I was watching that at like twelve, I was already over a hundred and nine pounds. Like, yeah, you know what I mean. And like that weight is perfect for you if that's what's healthy on your body. But they're projecting these. Height, height, and weight; those two together. I'll just and just looking at her, you know that she's not like what the fuck. It's just so irritating, and so they always do that. I don't know if I'm going to cut that out because I don't know like if one thirty. Like I don't want to offend anybody. I think that's no. I think that no. Because like if that if you're 135 pounds and you're five eight, you're perfect. Like there's nothing. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that if like looking at this woman, it doesn't coincide, and it's just annoying because the numbers always seem too low. Well, especially because she's supposed to have superior strength. strength. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, it would not kill you to make a woman very muscular and very heavy. Muscle weighs more than fat also. So literally, well, it's just like she would be heavier. Like I am like, I'm okay. This is a perfect example. You said 135. I'm five, three. And, um, before quarantine, I was working out and I was weightlifting to gain muscle and I, I was like one thir- between 130 and 135. I was aiming for 140 was like my goal. See, you're 5'3". Um, Muscle-wise, and I'm 5'3". She's five inches taller than me. Make it make sense. You know what I mean? It just pisses yeah. me off. It always – because well, they're yeah, really just – because it's just lazy. Yeah, it's lazy. It's just lazy. It's just lazy. It's not having women on – you're right in your writer's room. Like, it's just fucking I know. Lazy. They literally were like – well, she's she'll because I haven't even casted it yet. They're like she'll be thin. It'll be one thirty-five. Yeah, yeah. Like, why don't you wait and fill that information in when you get your actress? No, that's a very valid point. I'm happy you brought that up. Piss me off. So, cut to Kendrick's taking Cindy to a motel where she meets Tina. That scene is like very quick. It's very bizarre. I don't know. Um. So now we're back at Cindy's house. <laughs> Scully is the police are going through it. Scully is yelling again, but like they're inside and the woman is very close to her. Um, She's overcompensating, but it's okay. We support her in it. 
and also I feel like this was Jillian maybe feeling like she needed to make her voice bigger yeah. to be taken seriously, which is like well, this so fucking cute. This is very Jillian because like she, they tell her that um, the cop tells Scully that they found the car and she's like, oh good. And she looks to Mulder for guidance and she sees that he's on the phone and she's like, okay. Like she literally says, okay. And then she goes, uh, and then yeah. boom, she just steps into gear. And it's cool seeing this process of her looking at him for guidance always, her looking at him for guidance and then realizing she can do it by herself and then eventually not looking up at him at all and like you see that progression throughout the show. fuck yeah you know what i mean yeah. and that's so yeah, cool hell yeah so back at the motel um uh we find out that the two girls actually murdered their fathers so they say right. quote yep so scully was right let's just make that very fucking crystal clear crystal. um the two girls say they weren't born uh and then they say quote we weren't born we were created mm-hmm. which Kendrick's or fucking what's her name Eve whatever says you can you cannot think that way you're human beings and it's like this is sounds like something Chris Carter needed to hear when he decided to bring a Scully child into this world conceived from Scully's stolen ova and make her short life one of experimentation and suffering until she died yeah literally that you're writing about human beings and literally just Just your show will be more powerful if you treat your characters like human beings it will have more of an impact it will have a heavier weight but you're just contributing to this um frivolization of women of female trauma like and for what it doesn't make your show better nope it doesn't the girls kill kendrick's um and honestly go them like at this point, I was rooting I know, for them. Good. Maybe they'll run away and take out all the men in the world. Exactly. Um, uh, but then, um, cut to um, back at Cindy's house. Scully tells Mulder that they found the car that Kendricks was driving at the mm-hmm. airport. Mulder's like, "No, I just got a call from the motel manager, and they and he said that he saw a woman." Um, come with a girl um and then a couple hours later come with another girl and she never he never saw her leave with the mm-hmm. first girl so uh Mulder and Scully of course and Scully's like that's it <laughs> her face Just so fucking so hot oh my god so <laughs> that's us that's so cute I mean like the exact same time he's saying that's so fucking hot <laughs> So then Mulder and Scully (laughs) go to the motel um, and uh, the girls are there. Um, They're like huddled up in the corner. They look very scared. Even though they killed Kendricks, they tell Mulder and Scully that um, Kendricks and her clone, Eve Mm -hmm. Eve 8, tried to get them to drink this poisoned soda Mm -hmm. with them. Um. Scully is comforting them. Mulder sees her with these little girls and is like, today's a good day to make her my alien baby baby mama. That's a good one. Bye. So (laughs) this is my favorite part of the entire show, maybe. (gasps) Mm -hmm. (laughs) This dude comes in (laughs) and is like, we'll take the girls back to where they're safe or something. (laughs) And Mulder's like, no, please let us play house. And Scully's like, yeah, we could like, you know, 
like get them checked by a doctor. I mean, I mean, like I am a doctor, but She's like, like, like we can, can get we just them like checked drive by around a with different them for doctor, a bit, like just to like see how it feels, like just and like we could like read them a bedtime story or like something like maybe and then like go know. to bed together and then like but we have to be quiet because yeah. the kids are like but like fuck each other's brains out but like we we would be so be quiet it's so like obviously we have yeah. kids now the officer's um, like yeah sure okay like and this dude literally goes okay i wrote it down because i love it so much he goes okay whatever <laughs> And this is how the X-Files feels about women and their non-consensually genetically modified children. Play the theme. (laughs) Emily, that was beautiful. That was, that was a rush. Was I was <laughs> like, I'm sober. Such a well choreographed bit. Wasn't that so yeah, wow. Mulder is so flustered by getting to be Scully's husband for the <laughs> night <laughs> that after the dude leaves, he like just fidgets and is like looking into the glass again. And he's like, hmm, what's in here? This <laughs> looks like, interesting. Even though he knows he's like, what's I'm in there. I was just myself. Oh my God, we're going to get to go. We're going to get to bring the girls. Maybe we'll listen to like music. He's just like, oh, what's in here? I don't know. Let's hold this up to the light. They go to the car. We'll talk about this in the car, okay? Okay, dad. Okay, Older daddy. Son. Okay, dad. Okay, daddy. Scully was like, um, so these girls, like, are, so they're in the car. They're driving somewhere. These girls hold hands and, like, magically conjure up a full bladder. So they stop at a diner. I think it was a lie, ma'am. So they stop at a diner and they go to the bathroom. They get right. some soda. Can we just talk about the look that Scully gives Mulder before they go into the bathroom? Like it makes me feel things, and I can't articulate why. I'm not even there yet. Hold on a second, girl. So Scully leads the girls away um, after asking that Mulder's like, "Where's the bathroom?" Scully leads the girls away. Mulder orders the drinks. Um, they both have these smirks on their faces. Like Scully's like. <laughs> Sorry, these are just like our wacky, wild little munchkins. Like, don't mind them. But they're totally playing. This is the saving grace of the episode. Like, it doesn't make it better. Like, okay, but like, it's it's fun to watch. They're so mm-hmm. into playing house. They're so into it. I just want to make a note. Like, this episode is full of resting fuck me mm-hmm. face from our two spooky agents. Like, they literally are just constantly looking at each other. Like, they want to fuck mm-hmm. each other's brains out. Like, let's just. They are establish that right now that was that thought was prompted by the look that they give each other before Mm -hmm. going to the bathroom so they're in the bathroom and one of the little girls sneaks out and puts the toxic plant juice in Mulder and Scully's Mm -hmm. drinks um they come out Mulder and Scully drink them and they're both like hmm it's kind of sweet we got diet but don't think anything Mm -hmm. of it they go outside of the car. Mulder realizes that he forgets his keys inside and goes back in to get them. Scully keeps drinking her soda. And do you know what I'm about to say? Yeah. <laughs> the way the way her lips I knew you were going to do this. Drink. Is it the way her lips kind of get stuck to the straw? <laughs> okay. She almost spit out her drink. The way her lips are around that straw, they're like glistening and they're so plump and they're so wet. And I'm like, 
What am I talking about here? Hello? What's happening? <laughs> Who am I? Where am I? What am I? Her... <sighs> it's okay. This was me when Scolder moved his head back last episode, so I support Scolder? <laughs> Did I say Scolder? Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know who they are anymore. Sister Stevie? Hello? <laughs> Listener, when I was a kid, I had an imaginary friend named Sister Stevie. <laughs> Sister Stevie and Buffa. This is the life of an only child. And Sister Stevie did everything right and Buffa did everything wrong. No, Sister Stevie was not a nun. <laughs> hey, that was no, it wasn't. Okay. It was really Jillian oh. laugh. Ooh, nice. So, anyways, the way that Scully's lips kind of get stuck on the straw. She's just throwing her head back now. Anyway, I want to be the straw. So, back to Mulder. He gets his keys, and he sees the green shit on the table from the plant juice the girls put in their drinks. Um, He's unsure of what it is, so naturally he puts it in his mouth. Um, (laughs) And then he realizes what it is, so he runs outside and very very not casually fucking knocks the drink out of scully's hand we just talk about how he's like i just wanted to open the door for you like she's like what the fuck can you put can we put that your tweet in the thread that says like you molder shiver is dead dead. absolutely absolutely favorite and of course the girls notice him fucking yeah because he's eating the drink out of her hand (laughs) hole and they run away she's so pissed She's so mad. She's like, what the fuck? I was drinking that. She's like, <sighs> and they run away. The girls run away. So they start playing this little game of hide and go seek. Mm-hmm. Mulder gets them, but then some fucking white people who can't mind their own fucking business come out with a rifle. People. I know. And now they think, come to a girl's rescue. Yeah. And think Mulder and Scully are kidnapping them until the woman says i'm calling the police which is white people's favorite fucking thing to do mm-hmm. and then Scully and yells we are the police you fucking dumb dumb i love the way she yells that's my favorite thing ever <sighs> so then when they get the little girls sorry i did not mean to moan it's <laughs> okay and then when they get the little girls the little girls are completely breaking character when Mulder grabs them it's really cute they're like we're 100%. just little girls like he made them laugh yeah, the one girl was smirking so hard. I know, it's so cute. So one of the final scenes, it's the final scene we see Mulder and Scully, Cindy's mother. Oh, I have a lot of thoughts on this. Oh my God. I can't, I can't. Like, can I just, can I just, I'm so mad. Let me, let me say what, so Cindy's mother, they're back at Cindy's house. Cindy's mother is talking to them and uh, she says, quote, all I need to know is she cindy was not my daughter she never was and then she tears up the picture of her child and her husband and throws the part the picture of her child in the fire the child that she gave birth to yeah not as if as as if her child was disposable because she didn't conceive her in the quote-unquote natural way this is the most exactly because that's the what they're projecting they're like oh this wasn't natural in some way then she would be able to let it go and know it wasn't really her child as like this is the most unrealistic female character i have ever seen in my entire life like she would never be she would never do that it's almost as if she's siding with her husband as because it's the murder of her husband now over her child and that would 
never like they just didn't want to explore the trauma that they inadvertently put this mother through so they're just like we're just going to say that she's fine with it because like that would just be too much because you're leaving this woman she's widowed now her husband was murdered her child not only murdered her husband but she was fucking medically raped and assaulted and this isn't her child and it's like the the mother the mother was yes 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 yes. that's what i mean and like they were just like ooh. Yeah, that's kind of a lot. We'll just say that she's okay with it, and then we won't have to touch yeah. it. Be very dramatic. She'll throw a piece of paper into a fire. It'll all be, It'll very, be very moving, dramatic. and then we'll move on. Perfect. Cool. The yeah. episode is about to end anyways. It's going to time out great. Like, Totally. So, so fucking disgusting. So this episode is really the first of the myth arc episodes that is, um, that is explicitly about um, – you ready for this? Mm-hmm. Medical rape. <laughs> Reproductive trauma because of the women impregnated with experimental eggs without their knowledge or consent. Mm-hmm. Abuse, child loss. I don't quite understand this fascination with uh, manipulating women's bodies and reproductive capabilities. I don't get um, it. Oh, wait. I mean, this is what I wrote about my fucking paper. It's like the fact that bodies with uterus, uteri, uteri, uteruses, people who can have children like (laughs) that ability to procreate and to actually give birth to life is bordering godlike it is creating life so men in the patriarchy the head of all the men feel this desperate need to control bodies that can procreate and give birth because it's like that like that power is unstoppable and so that is why the government has to control reproductive rights in every single fucking way. And that was the trade-off for a powerful character as Scully to exist on television at this time. Like, yep. that was the unconscious trade-off. It was like, oh, we're going to get her power here, but we have to take away all this power because there's no way we can let her have that. Like, this was her reproductive capability and was the unconscious trade-off, like... It's like, yeah, you can create an independent, you can create a intelli- an intelligent, you can create a capable and competent woman, but, like, can you give her bodily autonomy? No. No. Because it's too so powerful, it's like, because then she transcends you. And, like, they clearly, which I just realized, they always had the intention of mixing the UFO shit and the reproductive manipulation shit and the abduction shit um, into the plot. They just planned to do it to random secondary characters. And the only reason it translated to Scully was, was because, because Jillian got pregnant. Oh, my God. And, and I fear that- And so she's that... still being punished for her, for, for her reproductive, literally, though. So I, and, and I fear that if Jillian had not fallen, <laughs> if I fear that Jillian had not gotten pregnant, the narrative around this wouldn't have been as significant and people wouldn't talk about it as much because they were just secondary characters who were so it's probably for the best that, that this was happening to the scully because then it drew attention to it and then all the badass women in the fandom now can be like fuck this noise because because it it because it um it truly showed that there are no bounds that these writers are 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 willing to uh, are are willing to cross are not willing to cross like there is no boundary that they are not willing to um, cross when it comes to female autonomy and so I mean like it ultimately also just comes down to um, 
to horror mm-hmm. and, and how the show portrays horror. It's like, understandably, the show does a horrible job um, with the meaning behind bodily horror yes. beyond the action and like beyond the external. They succeed in spades in capturing the physicality of it very, very well. Mm-hmm. But they truly are unable to understand the merging of the symbolism and bodily. Uh, uh, like they, 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 wait, let me, let me say that. They, they are truly <laughs> unable to understand the merging between or of symbolism and bodily horror. Yeah. Like they can't fathom what it would be like to not have control over your body. No. And the thing and like that's what hits so hard is they don't understand the implications of what they themselves are writing. Exactly. And I just want to bring up last point a post um from someone on Tumblr I saved a while ago because I just think that this captures it so perfectly. They said The masculine tendency is to shred. I want blood. I want bodies ripped open. I want a sick little girl with green blood. I want her casket empty because I want you to know this never ends. She will never get a resolution. They never explore that emotional aspect. That child was a part of me. She was mine. He was mine. I built them with everything I had and I don't get to keep them. I don't get to have anything good come out of this for me. My body was not their safe space, their home. I will never get to hold them again because I was a fucking cocoon. I am, I am discarded. My pain is discarded. They inject my babies and test on them and make them sick. They ruin every hope I had to make this mean something because they want more blood in the next episode. What quote is that? That was from Tumblr. Someone said that on Tumblr. On, on a post about the reproductive traumas this show capitalizes on. Oh my God. And I just, I think about that, like every single time I watch the show, I think about that, that, that post. Holy shit. Because it so perfectly captures um, how manipulated um, and how traumatized the women on this show um are for for literal plot yeah. and that's it and that's the episode that's the episode we successfully if we haven't ruined eve for you listen again you are, <laughs> you are very strong yeah truly um we this has been a ride um let's end with our short little jillian corner that's very happy and like ooh fun just like a little tidbit of information cry made me cry happy tears yeah okay so in our um in our episode on ice where we um royally roasted chris carter um we talked about how like everyone gives him credit for like being in her corner turns out being in Jillian's corner when it came to Fox hiring her yeah, for the right. show. So like hiring her and getting her and getting her the original part, like really fighting for her to get the part. Turns yeah. out Chris Carter did not have as much casting influence as y'all might fucking think. Um, there was actually a casting director at Fox named Randy Stone, right? That's his name. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Who was really the driving force behind casting Jillian and, and the one that really was in her corner? And um, somebody on Twitter was very generous and sent us a little tidbit of their one on one with Jillian, where um, she talked about Randy Stone talking about how um, she like always felt like she um, 
like owed him a debt because she, this man really fought for her and that um, this woman who sent us her tidbit interviewed Randy Stone when um, she was 16 and he was a gay man at Fox working when it was an old boys club that truly that really didn't approve and so he it's so cool that he was like backing her like that and then do you want to talk about the bit with Jodie Foster yeah, and it was and it was a backing that had no expectation of anything no, in return. Yeah. It was truly a backing of just based off of her undeniable and just unflinching talent. Um and I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. And and I and I don't know that I've ever heard Jillian say, I feel like I owe him a great debt uh regarding Chris Carter. No, because because as much as she's loyal to him and as much as she um, speaks very highly of him, um, the way Chris Carter talks about her introduction to the this savior show. savior complex. Very much a savior complex. Very much she owes me everything. Yeah. She's trying to get credit for her career um, because he doesn't have one. Exactly. 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 Like hop on her back she's got a very strong very beautiful very she's already carried (laughs) her back is very sexy okay i love her back but but chris carter he tried to hop on it and she already carried the entire franchise of the x-files like give the woman a break talk about it talk about it anyways so um the part that really made me um happy cry happy cry just emotional in general was uh, in this woman's talk with Jillian. Jillian had said that Randy and her and Jodie Foster had had a couple of meals together because Randy was also friends with Jodie at the mm-hmm. time. It was very emotional because Jillian like idolized Jodie, yeah. which is like so fucking cool for her to be able to have those those interactions mm-hmm. with her. Like. I couldn't even imagine what that must have felt so like. Cool. And two, because so so I've had this theory. So there's a picture. I was very confused because uh, uh, Randy accompanied Jillian to an award show. It was the SAG Awards in 1997. Seven, yeah. I believe. Yeah, ni- yeah, yeah, 1997. And then as I was looking at those pictures, um, pictures of Jodie Foster and him came up. And they were holding hands, and so I'm a dummy, and I just assumed that they were a couple, but I knew that obviously Jody was gay, or is gay, and so I was confused. I was like, who is this man? Like, he's such an enigma. I don't know who he is. That was with both Jillian and Jody. Like, huh? Right, exactly. And so Stevie and I realized that more likely than not, um, Randy had gone with Jody, one, because Jody probably couldn't have couldn't take who she wanted We're to just Hollywood. um which is so fucked um and two because as a gay man he wanted to support um sh- i'm sure friend. jody was out to yeah. him at the time his 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 lesbian friend which is like fucking just so amazing and how you're an ally mm-hmm. to people even within your own community yeah. This could not be true, but I was thinking that maybe Jillian brought him to the SAG Awards so that people wouldn't question um, why Jody had brought him. Yeah, and then also it was it was the year that Jillian got divorced. 
And so like her divorce was not that far off and being announced. So he went with her to like support her in that. So she didn't have to go by herself. And it's just like happy feelings all around. We stand Randy That's, Stone. Yeah. Randy Stone, happy Jody Foster, and Jillian around. Anderson are our holy trinity. Yep. And that's the whole and- Jillian corner. Wow. That just makes me, my heart flutter. I just I love that so much. Me like, too. I just love that there was like, cause I think a lot of the times, like I view Jillian's, um, uh, not introduction to, but like entrance into the X-Files as very much like a boys club mm-hmm. and like very much like her being this like even even with David like I mean being like this little like munchkin who like like was coming in from the outside and like didn't know anything and like was all of a sudden in front of these executives Mm -hmm. who like viewed her as that so like to hear this story like that was just so it just warmed my heart to Mm -hmm. see um this group of people you know just in solidarity with each other and genuinely caring for each other and that was our um roller coaster of a fucking episode on eve holy shit yeah that was a good one (laughs) that was so fun um i wanted to say that we so we've gotten a couple questions continue to send them in because we'll like it was really fun getting to talk about a topic that i know at least one person was interested in for our sex corner so that was very cool and then somebody else sent us um what did they send oh they said asking us to talk about the medical rape plot line with crit with like in season 11 um and we will get there but we're gonna really try to focus on talking about what's in the specific episode that we're talking about or otherwise the episodes will never end just will never yep we'll never end it um so we did touch on that a little bit in this episode um and that's it thanks for listening i can't believe you guys are there yeah thank you so much for listening yeah and I hope you enjoyed my little song bit. I was really excited to do that. It was so fucking funny. Okay, whatever. Whatever. And on that note, thank you for listening. This has been so much fun on <laughs> The Sex Files. The Sex Files. <laughs> Until next time. Maybe we'll be sober. Who knows? This was fun. <laughs> This is so fun. What's, oh, fire is next. Oh, I'm not going to be sober for the next oh, no, one. Fuck. Well, I think we'll we'll do all the like iconic episodes like late at night under some influence. Just for fun. Just for Just fun because that was so much. That was, that so, was so fun. Okay. I um, love you. Thank you guys for bearing with us yeah. and for listening. I just said I love you like I'm saying bye to you. <laughs> okay, I love you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye. Oh, we can say that to them. Okay, love you. Bye. That's cute. Okay, That's a really bye. cute That's really sign off. And if Jillian's listening, I love you extra. If she's listening, she knows. She knows what? Everything. You think you so much. You talked about her back. Uh, oh god. <laughs> she's not listening. It's okay. Okay, we have to go. Jillian, I want to look up your <laughs> Okay. On that note, bye.